Come, Holy Spirit, our hearts inspire. Amen. Amen. Some years ago, I was part of a procession which in almost any other church would have looked thoroughly out of place. A procession of maybe 40 or 50 of us snaked through a 900-year-old cathedral that is vast in scale, with a long nave and vaulted ceilings towering above. The chancel is laden with gold, and a giant thurible, a container for the burning of incense called the Botafumiero, the largest thurible in the world, apparently, is swung majestically in front of the altar. The cathedral is steeped in history, giving off all the signals that it belongs squarely in the ecclesiastical world. Except it doesn't, at least not entirely. For as much as it looks and smells like church, in many ways this particular setting for worship belongs to the pilgrims, like I was, and in fact, like some of you have been too. These particular pilgrims are not the get-off-the-bus type, which you and I have also been, but the carry-the-bus-on-your-back type, who, if our group was typical, tend to accumulate a few layers of history of their own by the time they reach the end of the journey, with backpacks, walking sticks, sore, dirty, and sometimes smelly feet, giving the appearance of an unlikely group of churchgoers. As they cross the threshold, they arrive at a place where they know they belong. They belong because the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela is a pilgrim house, and has been so for centuries, believed to hold the relics of St. James, who may have been the brother of Jesus, or an apostle, or some other James. For most pilgrims today, it doesn't really matter, as it's the journey there that counts. Some will walk 10 days like we did. Others will start way up in France and cross over the Pyrenees, taking months to get there. The pilgrims our group of seminarians met were a motley crew of extended and blended families, 20-somethings, and retirees, people recently divorced or widowed or laid off and walking their way solo, yet in the company of a great mass of humanity, weaving in and out of small Galician towns and villages along the way. Many whom we met had no significant prior association with church at all, but all of them, it seemed, were intent on entering the cathedral on that great final day, joining the worship there, perhaps saying a prayer at the shrine of St. James or hugging his statue before they left. Something about the cathedral and its hospitality for pilgrims has resulted for many on the Camino's long walk to Santiago in being able to find an open door into the church at the end of it all. What a powerful parable that is for the life of the church universal today, nine centuries since that cathedral was built. Not only that the church can indeed be a house of prayer for all peoples, 
But the people can find a place in those holy spaces on their own terms and in their own ways. 120 years ago to this liturgical day, All Saints Episcopal Church opened its own pilgrim house on West Peachtree and North Avenue. From that humble beginning, the history of this place and the people of this parish tells the story of a church that has also set its doors doors open for the pilgrims of life's journey to find a home here. The setting open at that door has not always been easy. Sometimes it has been anything but easy. Yet through the decades, All sorts of saints have found that there was room for them to make their way through these doors. Yet that door being set open has not been an accidental thing and it has not happened because of the will and tenacity of our efforts alone. For the door of the church is only truly swung open by the wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit that has enlivened this place person by person year by year, and it is the presence of the holiness of God that has meant that here, somehow through people as unlikely as us, others have heard a word about God spoken in a language they could understand. That is, after all, a central element of the story of Pentecost that we hear today. That after the sound and the violent wind and the fire resting upon the first followers of Jesus, as they are filled with new wine, with the Holy Spirit, they are gifted the ability to speak in other people's languages. Put another way, the birth of the church which we celebrate today is polylingual. For the first work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church is to enable its members to speak with words that other people will understand. We know how much this matters because immediately after the Holy Spirit comes down, a crowd gathers around Jesus' followers precisely because they hear the apostles talking about God in their language. As far as the application of the scriptures for our daily lives goes, you can't get much clearer than that. Indeed, if we wanted to search the Bible for how we might chart a course for our next 120 years as a church in this place, then I cannot think of a better passage to choose than this story. The world around us is changing rapidly, as is how people are searching for the divine. We're living through a digitally inspired and enabled Gutenberg moment that is increasingly connecting people and ideas in exciting and unprecedented ways. People are talking about God, about their experience of things spiritual, and making community here, there, and right across the world. There has never been a better time in human history to listen to one another for what the Spirit is saying to God's people. What is even more exciting for us right here where we have stayed resolute and faithful now in the heart of this city is that we are increasingly surrounded by a global population bringing with them a myriad of insights 
and longings for God most of us have yet to even imagine. If the birth of the church began with at least a dozen or more languages, a dozen or more ways of talking about God and the movement of the Spirit, then that same Spirit now speaks in a billion different tongues. The Holy Spirit is God's great multiplier. Given all of this, if I were to offer a vision for the future, then it would be that we keep on learning how to be a polylingual church. Who knows but God what it will look like to be the church 120 years from now. It's hard for me to imagine how things might change even a decade from today. Yet whatever we may become, if we have it in our hearts to keep on learning the language of others in their search for God, then this church has every chance of still being that pilgrim's house we have been for these past 120 years. As we imagine that, let us ask one another what it will take of us to keep on building a pilgrim's house here. Where might we make more cuts in the curb to create new ways for others to enter the life of faith that we know and enjoy here? What are the barriers that we're willing to dismantle to enable others to find their place of welcome in this church? And how might we diversify what it means to be the church so that we are fit for the 21st century and preparing ourselves for health and vitality in the 22nd? Perhaps many of the ways we will grow and change as all saints will look different to what we have known, not to give up on treasure traditions, but to add new pathways in and out of this block for people to find their way to the possibility of knowing the love of a gracious God. The Spirit invites us to dream dreams and see visions. See, I am doing a new thing, says the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, help us see the fullness of your kingdom here upon the earth. Amen.